It's time now for the complete story with Rich and Dick Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich and Dick Bot with today's complete story. Well, hello, 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 our Missouri radio listeners to Bot Radio Network. Wherever you live in the state of Missouri, this program is for you. Now, as we went through the past weekend, we were talking about the Missouri Senate. You know, they had a good bill before them, uh, a really good bill that was presented to them. But by the time the leadership got through cutting it up and compromising a lot of it away, they ended up with about 50 percent, some say 60 percent of what the governor really asked for. So what they got is fine. But what about the rest of it? Now, this this week, it's in the House of Representatives, and the House of Representatives can put back into the bill the various elements that the governor was looking for to make it all that it could be uh, as a pro-life bill coming from the state of Missouri. Rich, wouldn't that be nice? Now, if the House of Representatives stepped up to the plate, stood on their own two feet, and I understand they have a really good Speaker of the House. His name is Todd Richardson. So what say you, sir? Well, yes, I agree. Uh, we have to remind everybody that this is the special session that uh, Governor Greitens called the legislators back to Jefferson City. You didn't finish your work. You didn't pass this pro-life bill. And we need to pass that to save babies. And also, especially in St. Louis there, where they had declared St. Louis to be a sanctuary, an abortion sanctuary city. And uh, so this legislation is supposed to overcome that and do some more things to advance and, and the cause did. of life. And and what they ended up doing in the in the Senate is is kind of a milk toast version of it. They stripped away a lot of the uh, the stronger portions of that bill and uh, passed the weak bill, sent it to the House. Now it's the opportunity for the House of Representatives to reinsert that stronger language and then send it back to the Senate. So we're we're hoping and praying that they do, but we also want you as citizens of Missouri to stand up and let your legislator know how you feel yeah. about this pro-life legislation, whether or not you would prefer the stronger language to be reinserted and then sent back to the Senate. Yeah. Over the weekend, I was checking with some of the statewide leaders, uh, the independent pro-life, pro-family leaders, uh, Rich, even on Father's Day, can you believe it? And uh, here's one paragraph that I think I want our listeners to hear. Um, this, this person said, as you probably heard, the Senate has passed a pro-life bill and now sent it on to the House. The Senate did not include everything we wanted and everything they could have passed, considering their overwhelming pro-life majority. Did you catch that, folks? Yeah, they couldn't. They did not do everything they could have done, considering all of their overwhelming pro-life majority. This person goes on to say, however, it includes an annual clinic inspection bill. That's good. Something we've worked for for several years. And uh, they also said it addresses the St. Louis City Sanctuary for abortions. And, of course, that's good. But now uh, this person says we're hoping that the House of Representatives will add back some of the good features that were excluded when it was in the Senate. 
the Senate would still have to approve it, but perhaps they would be more inclined to do so the second time around. Now, Rich, I want to mention that the governor, isn't it nice to have someone sitting at the head of the executive branch of government, and this time in the form of Eric Greitens. And I'll tell you this, he is like a, a breath of fresh air because by his very nature, uh, growing up in St. Louis, even as a teenager, he liked to win. Listen to this, Rich. He liked to win. I like that. But also, at the same time, in his nature, he always wanted to serve and to help people. And that has kind of directed his course then in his adult life. When he went on to an unbelievably fabulous education that included Oxford, his choices then after that were unbelievable to make as much money as he could possibly even think about. But he chose to be a Navy SEAL. And the reason is because he still had this desire to serve, to be of service and do something for his country and those things that were right. So now, now here he is, Missouri's choice. The people elected him to be the governor. Uh, well, anyway, that's pretty nice, isn't it, Rich? Right. So he calls this special session of the Senate, and they kind of come back dragging their feet and passing a halfway measure. Because it's, it's, they, were, they were irritated that he called them back to a special session, and he called them back because they didn't finish their work. Well, this, They did not get the job done. Listen, Rich, for a minute. Here you have the manager. Here you have the executive of the state. And those guys didn't finish the job, so he had the chutzpah. He had the good sense to say, well, come on back. Come on back and get it done. Well, that irritated. That irritated the leadership. I understand it. They didn't like that. They didn't like that. But isn't it a shame? Well, and they were content they're... to leave that uh, St. Louis as an abortion sanctuary city. How, how appalling. Exactly. Listen, folks, you are the voters. That's why we're taking the time on Bot Radio Network to bring you uh, this information so you'll know what's going on. I uh, tell you what, Rich, let's now turn to former Congressman Henry Hyde oh. of Illinois. I want the people to just listen carefully. This is what a real gentleman does when he's a statesman. This is what a person says when he's a political leader with a heart, with passion and fervor for those things that are right. Listen, folks, we're talking about life we're talking about the life of the most innocent, the life of the most helpless, the life that depends on other decent people to value it and, and take it seriously. And this so, was in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., as they're debating the partial birth abortion bill. Yeah. And now Henry Hyde has grown old. He wasn't really young then. And he died uh, some years back. But I kept this in our archives because it was an example of a political leader who really intended to use his time and his opportunity to to do the right thing, to do the right thing. All right, now here it is. Here is Congressman, former Congressman Henry Hyde, when he is talking on this subject. Listen to him carefully. Mr. Speaker, I yield the balance of my time to the gentleman from Illinois, Mr. Hyde, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. The gentleman from Illinois is recognized for 15 minutes. 
I ask unanimous consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. And I also beg the indulgence of my colleagues not to ask me to yield because I cannot and will not, and I would appreciate the courtesy. I also want to say briefly that those who have charged us with politics, invidious politics, for delaying this ought to understand that Americans can't believe this practice exists. And it has taken months to educate the American people. And it'll take many more months to educate them as to the nature and extent of this horrible practice. That is one reason it has taken so long. Now, the law exists to protect the weak from the strong. That's why we're here. Mr. Speaker, in his classic novel, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky has his murderous protagonist, Raskolnikov, say, man can get used to anything, the beast, that we're even debating this issue, that we have to argue about the legality of an abortionist plunging a pair of scissors into the back of the tiny neck of a little child whose trunk arms and legs have already been delivered, and then suctioning out his brains only confirms Dostoevsky's harsh truth. We were told in committee by an attending nurse that the little arms and legs stop flailing and suddenly stiffen as the scissors is plunged in. People who say, I feel your pain, aren't referring to that little infant. What kind of people have we become that this procedure is even a matter for debate? Can't we draw the line at torture and baby torture at that? If we can't, what's become of us? There's no argument here about when human life begins. The child who's destroyed is unmistakably alive, unmistakably human, and unmistakably brutally destroyed. The justification for abortion has always been the claim that a woman can do with her own body what she will. Well, if you still believe that this four-fifths delivered little baby is a part of the woman's body, then I'm afraid your ignorance is invincible. I finally figured out why supporters of abortion on demand fight this infanticide ban tooth and claw. Because for the first time since Roe v. Wade, the focus is on the baby. Not the mother, not the woman, but the baby. And the harm that abortion inflicts on an unborn child, or in this instance, a four-fifths born child. That child, whom the advocates of abortion on demand have done everything in their power to make us ignore, to dehumanize, is as much a bearer of human rights as any member of this house. To deny those rights is more than a betrayal of a powerless individual. It betrays the central promise of America that there is in this land justice for all. The supporters of abortion on demand have exercised an amazing capacity for self-deception by detaching themselves from any sympathy whatsoever for the unborn child. And in doing so, they separate themselves from the instinct for justice that gave birth to this country. There's no moral, nor for that matter, medical justification for this barbaric assault on a partially born infant. Dr. Pamela Smith, Director of Medical Education in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Chicago's Mount Sinai Hospital, testified to that, as have many other. Dr. C. Everett Koop, the last credible Surgeon General that we had, was interviewed by the American Medical Association. In so doing, he cited several cases in which women were told these procedures were necessary to preserve their health and their ability to have future pregnancies. How would you characterize the claims being made in favor of the medical need for this procedure? Quoting Dr. Koop, question, in your practice as a pediatric surgeon, have you ever treated children 
with any of the disabilities cited in this debate? Have you operated on children born with organs outside of their bodies? Answer, oh yes, indeed. I've done that many times. The prognosis is good. There are two common ways that children are born with organs outside of their body. One is an omphalocele, where the organs are out but still contained in the sac composed of the tissues of the umbilical cord. I have been repairing these since 1946. The other is when the sac is ruptured. That makes it a little more difficult. I don't know what the national mortality would be, but certainly more than half of those babies survive after surgery. Every once in a while you have other peculiar things such as the chest being wide open and the heart being outside the body. And I have even replaced hearts back in the body and had children grow to adulthood. Question, and live normal lives? Answer, living normal lives. In fact, the first child I ever did with a huge omphalocele much bigger than her head went on to develop well and become the head nurse in my intensive care unit many years later. The abortionist who is a principal perpetrator of these atrocities, Dr. Martin Haskell has conceded that at least 80% of the partial birth abortions he performs are entirely elective, 80% are elective. And he admits to over a thousand of these abortions and that's some years ago. We're told about some extreme cases of malformed babies as though life is only for the privileged, the planned, and the perfect. The late Dr. James McMahon listed nine such abortions he performed because the baby had a cleft lip. Many other physicians who care both about the mother and the unborn child have made it clear this is never a medical necessity, but it is a convenience for the abortionist. It's a convenience for those who choose to abort late in pregnancy when it becomes difficult to dismember the unborn child in the womb. In his memoirs, Dwight Eisenhower wrote about the loss of 1.2 million lives in World War II. And he said the loss of lives that might have otherwise been creatively lived scars the mind of the civilized world. Mr. Speaker, our souls have been scarred. And say, what do we mean by human dignity if we subject innocent children to brutal execution when they're almost born? We all hope and pray for death with dignity. Tell me what's dignified about a death caused by having a scissor stabbed into your neck so your brains can be sucked out. We've had long and bitter debates in this house about assault weapons. Those scissors and that suction machine are assault weapons worse than any AK-47. You might miss with an AK-47. The doctor never misses with his assault weapon, I can assure you. A word about anesthesia. Advocates of partial birth abortions tried to tell us the baby doesn't feel pain. The mother's anesthesia is transmitted to the baby. We took testimony from five of the country's top anesthesiologists and they said this impossible. That result would take so much anesthesia, it would kill the mother. For that little almost born infant struggling to live is a member of the human family. And partial birth abortion is a lethal assault against the very idea of human rights and destroys, along with a defenseless little baby, the moral foundation of our democracy. Because democracy isn't, after all, a mere process. It assigns fundamental rights and values to each human being, the first of which is the inalienable right to life. Our moment in history is marked by a mortal conflict between a culture of death and a culture of life. And today, here and now, we must choose sides. I'm not the least embarrassed 
to say that I believe one day each of us will be called upon to render an account for what we've done and, maybe more importantly, what we failed to do in our lifetime. And while I believe in a merciful God, I believe in a just God. And I would be terrified at the thought of having to explain at the final judgment why I stood unmoved while Herod's slaughter of the innocents was being reenacted here in my own country. We're not talking about abstractions here. We're talking about life and death at their most elemental, and we ought to face the truth of what we oppose or support, stripped of all euphemisms. And the queen of all euphemisms is choice, as though you're choosing vanilla and chocolate instead of a dead baby or a live baby. Now, we've talked so much about the grotesque. Permit me a word about beauty. We all have our own images of the beautiful, the face of a loved one, a dawn, a sunset, the evening star, I believe nothing in this world of wonders is more beautiful than the innocence of a child. Do you know what a child is? She's an opportunity for love. And a handicapped child is an even greater opportunity for love. Mr. Speaker, we risk our souls, we risk our humanity when we trifle with that innocence or demean it or brutalize it. We need more caring and less killing. Let the innocence of the unborn have the last word in this debate. Let their innocence appeal to what President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Let our votes prove Raskolnikov is wrong. There is something we will never get used to. Make it clear once again, there is justice for all, even for the tiniest, most defenseless in this our land. And I yield back the balance Mr. of my Chairman, time. You Oh, man, Rich. Now, I'll tell you what, that is a time when a political leader knew how to speak, knew how to put the ball across home plate. But I'll tell you this, that is, I believe it was Henry Hyde, of course, when he was living, that uh, was responsible for what is known as the Hyde Amendment. But now, need I remind our listeners that it was under the Democrats, it was under Barack Obama, I believe, that the Hyde Amendment came under terrible attack. So what we really have is the difference of opinions and the difference of ideas, the difference of what is right and what is wrong. And But wasn't that powerful, Rich? Well, it was. And, and what it demonstrates is the effect of leadership, strong, passionate leadership. And in this, uh, this letter that you, wrote, you wrote, uh, read earlier in the program, the the saddest sentence is the one where it says the Senate didn't include everything we wanted and everything they could have passed, considering their overwhelming pro-life majority. Yeah. In other words, the voters put in what they thought was an overwhelming pro-life majority into the Senate, and they get a half a measure out. Well, they get half and, a loaf. And so now it's at that. Now it's this week. It's at the House of Representatives. And so just think of the name, representatives, folks. They're supposed to represent you. And so you need to call your representative and let you, let them know that you want them to pass a strong pro-life bill, and then send it back to the Senate so they can reconsider their halfway measure. You know. You know. I have heard that um, some of the senators, some of the politicians, some of the insiders, some of the establishment, Republican or Democrat, they say, well, Governor Crichton's needs better people skills. And I, 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 I started to really ponder that people skills, people skills. I'll tell you what we need is leadership. And he's providing that. Now, that is becoming an irritant to some who want to just 
have a sloth along and uh, say, hey, leave me alone. Uh, but leadership demands then attention. And, and that's why he brought them back in a special session. I want to tell the folks again, we're talking to the people in the state of Missouri. Now this issue is at the House of Representatives. And, uh, and they can put back into the bill the things that were taken out by the Senate if they will do so. I understand that the Speaker of the House, uh, Todd Richardson, is a very good person and, uh, and very supportive of these efforts. Now, the number to his office, and we'll give this again so you can have your pencil ready, is 573. This is in Jefferson City, Missouri. 573 now. And then 751-4039. You tell him what you think. You leave a message in his office what you think. Believe me, this isn't up to me to tell anybody what to do. But I do want to encourage our listeners to let their representatives know how they feel, uh, how they feel about this whole thing. And as I understand it, Todd Richardson is a, is a wonderful leader. He's a strong pro-life individual. He will appreciate the encouragement that you can leave on his phone number, 573 751 Four zero three nine, and he, uh, as I understand, he was born in Cape Girardeau, and currently is from Poplar Bluff. Yeah, well, listen now, <clears throat> Rich. Uh, President John Quincy Adams said it is essential. This was you talk about politics. This is a former president of the United States, and he says in his in direct quotes, "It is essential, my son, that you should form." and adopt certain rules or principles in your life. It is in the Bible that you must learn them, and from the Bible, how you should practice them. Now, that was President John Quincy Adams. Can I say, Rich, in the state of Missouri, how many Assemblies of God churches there are, how many Baptist churches there are, Southern Baptist, Bible Baptist, you name it, and how many Presbyterian churches there are, how many Catholic churches there are? Are these churches representative of pro-life people? Do they really believe that life is important? Do they really believe that God gives life and that little innocent life is worth protecting? So stop and think about it. If you don't want to let your representatives know how you feel about this issue right now before the House of Representatives, well, then stop and wonder, how seriously do I take this? Because uh, it really is important. Now, let's just also say that what Henry Hyde was talking about involved abortion. But a lot of this in Missouri right now is to protect the life of the woman, protect the life of the mother. Do you know, Rich, that I understand that uh, these abortion clinics, uh, they don't have the oversight that a barbershop has. They don't have the oversight and the inspections that a hair salon that does your fingernails, for heaven's sake, has. The abortion clinics have tons and tons of money so they can buy the lobbyists to to get the politicians to see it their way. It's, ama- it's amazing, Rich, how we've always heard that money talks. Isn't that what you heard? That's right, Dad. And so we want people to contact the representative, but we also want them to pray because the 
the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Yeah. And I think your church should be mentioning this. This isn't politics. This isn't Republican versus Democrat, for heaven's sake. This is a matter of principle right straight out of the Bible. Do we protect innocent human life or don't we? And then certainly demand that if a woman is going to have a surgical procedure, such as an abortion or anything like that, while all precautions, including proximity to a hospital, if something goes wrong, should be taken into account for heaven's sake. That's why you have lawmakers. That's why you have legislators. So I think it's very, very important uh, to let them know. Now, Rich, it was years and years ago, years and years ago, when Marlon Maddox was alive, he was on Bot Radio Network. That's when we just had a couple of stations. And um, he was out of Dallas, Texas. And he was interviewing this little Gianna Jessen. At that time, I think little Gianna Jessen was 13 years old. Uh, she's well into her 40s now, maybe pushing 50. She's all grown up. But I never will forget how Marlon Maddox in his beautiful would you say baritone voice? My word, my voice is quickly evaporating. I don't know what's going to happen to me when my voice is completely gone, Rich. Then it'll be all up to you. But I remember Marlon Maddox when he had little Gianna Jessen in the studio there those many years ago. This is what he said. Hear it, folks. Tell us a little of your story. Well, I'm adopted, and my biological mother was 17 and seven months pregnant. And she went in and had a saline abortion. And a saline abortion, I'll just describe real briefly because a lot of people don't know what it is. It's a saline salt solution that's injected into the mother's womb. The baby gulps that solution. It burns the baby inside and out, and she delivers a dead baby within 24 hours. It's exactly what happens. But I came out alive, and I have no burns on my body. And um, I just, I believe it was the hand of God that, was on me and protected me and kept me alive. Yeah. You see, Rich, what she was describing uh, is what you call a botched abortion. (laughs) I mean, isn't that something? Uh, This fellow, or whoever it was, the intention was to kill that little kid. Yes. And they didn't get the job done. They botched the abortion. And little Jenna Jessen lived to tell her little story now she did live and earlier, she walks with a limp however as a result of that yes that procedure that absolutely was terrible um what a way to have to start your life come on folks wake up so this is why we are spending this time in the state of missouri is to remind the folks that missouri is supposed to be known as the show me state and we want to show me, Steve. Yes, yes, and we want to thank Governor Greitens for for his courageous leadership to to encourage the House and the Senate in Jefferson City to do the right thing on this, and also for Senator Bob Onder for drafting a wonderful bill. It's just too bad that the Senate took about fifty percent out of it before they finally passed kind of a, a watered down milk toast version, <laughs> and and the and the House of Representatives takes this up tomorrow. So we want to be in prayer. We want to contact them and encourage them to do. The the right thing. Can I also say that Senator Bob Onder in Missouri, plus other senators, because there were others. Oh, yes. There were others. Believe me, this was this was the result of the leadership of the Missouri Senate that was just weak. 
for whatever reason. They were irritated at the governor when he asked them to come back and finish their work. And whatever the reason is, it really doesn't matter. The performance was not something to brag about at all. So if you're going to be a leader, for heaven's sake, be a leader and then represent the people that elected you in the first place. That's my that's my feeling about this whole thing. But now in the House of Representatives, let's give this phone number again. Do you have it, Rich? I do. Uh, from what you said earlier, it's 573-751-4039. So it's 573-751-4039. And if you've thought about this and you have an opinion... I'm sure that the Speaker of the House in Missouri would love to hear it because you are a voter, you are a resident, the place belongs to you. Missouri is the show me state. This is Dick and Rich Bott with this chapter of the complete story as a public service for our Missouri listeners. And I'll see you later. <music> 